When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello Rush Nation and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host as usual, Liam or at the FSA tweets on Twitter. And today I'm joined by my co-host as usual, that is Rich at Dynasty Island. Rich, how are you? How has uh, your weekend been with the Jets? Um, unfortunately, <laughs> losing to the Patriots. I'm bringing it up because you've rubbed it in my face for two weeks that you beat my team. So I've got to got to have some hope in this season. Yeah, I mean, I would I would love to sit here and say that it was it was a miserable weekend, but it was it was okay because I didn't get a chance to watch it because NFL Game Pass is absolutely atrocious, and <laughs> we didn't have the games for the first three quarters. So, yeah, it it's yeah NFL Game Pass sort yourself out because it was better ten years ago than it is now, and when when does that ever work in tech that something goes backwards like that? Yeah, um, I was out during the early games, so I didn't watch many of them. Um, I watched the Broncos-Jags. That was quite an interesting game. Um, I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to do something like he did or nearly did last week against the Giants and just didn't quite squeeze it off through that interception. Um, Otherwise, that was a pretty decent game, which I don't think I've said for any of the Broncos games this season. Um, But Rich... 
today is the trade deadline so we have a lot of um news i think this is one of the most active trade deadlines i've seen in recent memory at least it feels like an um, nba or baseball deadline doesn't it the amount of moves it, it really does probably more moves here than we'll see in most of our uh, leagues that have a trade deadline but let's start off rich with the highest scorers as we do every week um for those of you that don't know it we go through the highest scorers of each position on uh, the week. So that would be week eight. For point scoring system, we use four point touchdowns for quarterbacks and then PPR for every other position. No tight end premium, nothing fancy because I don't like it. So, Rich, at quarterback, we've got Tua. Um, I'm going to try the last name Tagovailoa. I'll go with that. Um, with nearly 30 points, just over tw- uh, just over 29 points, Jalen Hurts at QB2 on the week with 28.4 points. And then Kyler Murray, um, just over 26.5 points. So Rich Tua has taken this step forward. We've seen it a few times now, at least for fantasy purposes. Um, he's producing two running back, uh, two wide receivers that are absolutely like slaying basically there are monsters on the field how do you see this going forward for dynasty because he's someone that i liked having that or i liked as a candidate to take that step but when you had that injury we had no idea what was going to happen now it seems like he's just all guns blazing right now yeah i mean look, i'm i'm a noted not non to a believer if that's a I don't know the phrase. I've I've never been a fan of Tua. I think he is a point guard style quarterback. I don't think he adds anything. Um, and I think that in the situation he is now, where he's basically got elite weapons, got a, a much improved offensive line, and he can just sit in the pocket, get the ball out quickly, and, and operate as that point guard. I think he's he's proved to be fantastic. My question is potentially you know, down the line as Tyreek Hill starts to age and that kind of thing. But look, I have, I have to hold my hands up and say, I didn't think he'd ever be a top 12 kind of dynasty quarterback. And I think he's pretty much there now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll come on to some trades in a minute, but I think the fact that the Dolphins are trading what little capital they had after their owner was found to be a bit of a sleazebag um, <laughs> and go and get another piece to help them compete this year, that further reinforces the fact that two is, two is the guy in Miami for the next three years. And, you know, that was always my big question mark coming into the year about Tua was the fact that they had those two first rounders. I was never convinced that they were convinced that Tua was the guy. Well, that's that's out the window now too as a guy. So yeah, I think the way he's producing at the moment, I feel feel slightly dirty saying it. Um, but yeah, I think he is now a, a top twelve dynasty QB and a guy that you can feel comfortable having, you know, ideally as your QB two over the next two, three years. Rich, I'm gonna play a little game with you here. As of right this second, um, after the week eight games, 
how many yards do you think Waddle and Tyree Kill have combined for this season? That includes all the Teddy Bridgewater yards. So I know that Skylar Thompson, I suppose. I know that Tyreek's got a thousand yards, so I'm going to guess that Jalen Waddle's eight hundred and fifty. So I'll say nineteen hundred. You are very close. Um, <laughs> according to my calculations, it's sixteen hundred. So, or nearly seventeen hundred. So one thousand six hundred. Um, 88. So when you extrapolate that into an 18 game season, Rich, uh, I'm doing it as we speak, <laughs> you get 3,586 yards between yeah, I know, I know. two receivers on the same team. That is incredible. Yeah, Tyreek's Tyreek, on pace for over 2,000, isn't he? Yeah. Tyreek just over 2,000 and Waddle just over 1,500, which is incredible for either one of these players to hit either one of those, let alone be on pace for them together on the same team. I think it's just incredible um, offensive-wise for the Dolphins. Let's move on to the running backs, Rich, um, who Alvin Kamara had a multiple touchdown uh, game, absolutely um, dominated the Las Vegas Raiders with 42 points, nearly 43 and Christian McCaffrey recently traded from the Panthers last week to the um, San Francisco 49ers with just over 40 points as RB2. And then running back three was Derrick Henry completing his fourth game in a row against the Texans with over 200 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. That is incredible. Uh, 35 points, eight points. Rich Derrick Henry just doesn't like... The Texans. Wild. Was it th- thirty-two rushing attempts? I think it's just wild. Um, here's here's a game for you, Liam. You asked me a quiz question. I've got a quiz question for you. How many pass attempts did the Titans have in the second half? In the second half, yeah. Uh, can't have been many. We go with four. I think they had ten to fifteen in total. I want to say one. They had one pass attempt in the second half. Wow. Yeah, that, 32 I mean, shows, rushing attempts for Henry. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, it's there's not many games that can follow that game script, certainly. I think, you know, dare I say it, I feel like everybody has been selling the, you know, Derek Henry, you got to sell, you got to sell, you got to sell. And it, it's got to that point where I think his price is so low that you're better off just holding and riding the production. But... You know, can can you see him doing this much more? I I just, you know, at some point the wheels have got to fall off, and I I do wonder if you're not, you know, if you're one of those top three, four teams, you know, by all means hold. But I do think that sell window, if you can get, what would you take, Liam? I'd I'd take a late first for him right now. I don't know if I'd get that. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just hard to feel like comfortable. You know, we've talked about running back basically being a replaceable position. It's hard to feel comfortable tying any sort of premium asset to, to Derek Henry. Yeah, I think late first is probably all you're going to be able to get for him. And if you're contending, that is just a smash buy, but you're not also looking to sell for that. I think... With the points he's scoring, there's a bit of a difference between what you would want to get compared to what you think you'd get um, or that you're actually going to get. Now, 
Richard, I've been toying with this idea and I want to put this over to you and I suppose so the listeners can hear your rationale on this. I've been toying with the idea for the whole of the off season and I think this season has really reinforced the idea that I need to do this. But having two separate rankings for my running backs, having a rebuild and then a um, contending ranking system because if I'm contending, there are multiple 26 27 maybe even 28 year old running backs that i would look at much differently than if i'm rebuilding and wouldn't touch them whatsoever and i think that their values vary so much depending on how your team is structured that i i really get to the point that or i've gotten gotten to the point now where i want to do this where i've got multiple different rankings just so i can because let's take austin eckler for example he's 27 years old but he's currently the running back two, I think it is, on the season, even with a bye week under him now. I think yeah. th- this is where we've got to have this discussion. Derek Henry is another one. Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, all these guys we spoke about last week. Basically the whole 2017 draft class. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, we spoke about it last week, or at least you did, where all of these guys have now got to the point where we're maybe passing them on um and we're probably looking at them falling off so how do you stand on this are you going to stick to your one running backs list suits all or are you going to maybe come to the dark side and try out this double list i think i'll I'll always stick to my i've got my values and and that's how i like to play and that's how i like to to you know, build my rankings is based off a value system. And I think that's what I'll always stick to because I do agree with you that whilst players have different values to players in, in different scenarios, there is still a inherent value to a player. And that, yes, you know, Austin Eckler to me is, is worth like a mid first. Now, if I was a contender, I'd probably pay a little bit more than that. If I was a rebuild, I'd probably take a little bit less to get the points off my roster. But to me, his value is still that that mid first, and I don't. Whilst you know, I, I completely get what you're thinking. I think it's a really you, you know interesting idea, and I, I I think that if you're you're doing rankings based, I think there's definitely value in in thinking that way and having that you know two ranking system. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm perhaps old and uh <laughs> and, and like to stick to my ways see I'll, I'll i'll stick with my my values but i do think you know it's a conversation i have all the time with my patrons is you know yes you know i'd say this value is the value on a player but if i'm a contender and i think it's one piece you know the piece that'll push me over a top or if i'm a contender then i'm happy to overpay and i think that that's always a conversation that we should be having rather than just sticking to this is the value, this is what it needs to be for me to sell, blah, blah, blah. So, Rich, let's move on to the wide receivers because um, we are still on the highest scorers. We, we love a little tangent on this show. Um, so the wide receivers, AJ Brown had a multiple touchdown um, game. In fact, in the first half, he had multiple touchdowns with uh, 39.6 points um, over the Pittsburgh Steelers. DeAndre Hopkins, again, multiple touchdowns, um, 33.9 points. If you followed Rich's advice before he came off suspension, you are absolutely laughing right now 
Um, he's had 50 points over the past two weeks, which is um, what every contender is hoping for from a guy that's just missed the first six weeks of the season. Six weeks. six weeks, yeah. Potentially a little sneak behind the curtain. Currently looking like he's going to be a top 20 wide receiver in DLF ADP. Which I'll be honest is absolutely wild. There's no way I'd be taking DeAndre, as much as I love DeAndre Hopkins and I've been screaming that he's a buyer for the last six months. I'm not taking him in the top twenty, but that just shows how fast his value has risen because we we were talking about him as a fifth in the fifties as much as a month ago. Yeah, yeah, I think he was wide receiver forty nine coming into the season in August uh, August ADP. So just show how much a season or not even hot just about half a season changes someone's value. Um, Rich Tyreek Hill, wide receiver three, 30, just over 30 points for 31.5. Um, just the, these wide receivers, I think it's got to the point now where, as we talked about the running back landscape being really wide open, the wide receiver position is so incredibly high in point scoring that people feel that it's really deep is that how you're looking at is that how you're looking at the rosters right now and the the landscape and if so do you think that the new crop of running backs with the 2023 class and maybe even the 24 class um will even out the landscape a little bit more than what it currently is i think wide receiver is always going to be deep it's going to be a deep position the way the nfl has transitioned over the last five ten years the amount of you know seven or seven that you see in peewee football and, and high school football and stuff like that, we see in these you know seven, eight, nine good receivers coming out every year. So wide receiver is always going to be a deep position because we're now seeing three, you know, sometimes four on the field at all times. So we're always going to have loads of good wide receivers. But in dynasty, they're also going to be the more stable assets. They're going to be the ones that have a six, seven-year shelf life rather than a two, three-year shelf life that a running back does. They're going to, you know, be able to project more consistently because they're not that volume-based position. You know, you have to be talented to command targets, whereas you don't necessarily have to be talented to be handed the ball. Um, So, yeah, I think running back is always going to be a shallower position and we're always going to have that positional need. But for me, I'd still want to be building around those wide receivers just because I think they're a, a more bankable asset for, for future years. So, Rich, moving on to tight ends, um, just as everyone predicted in um, at the start of the season, we had Tyler Conklin, the New York Jet, uh, former um Minnesota Viking as tight end one on the week with 25.9 points then Isaiah Likely uh the rookie Raven um filling in for Mark Andrews in proper Mark Andrews fashion having nearly 20 points and then Kyle Pitts with 19 points um as tight end three Rich I've got two questions here one Isaiah Likely is or what what we're seeing from Isaiah likely right now, especially with how um, Andrews is injured, but then for the future, 
do you expect them to kind of move on from Andrews if Isaiah likely starts to show Andrews tendencies while he's still on that rookie contract? Or do you think that it's going to be a similar situation to a few years ago where they use both tight ends quite frequently? So I think that, first of all, I really struggle trying to get my head around or decide what to do with Likely. I really liked him in the pre-draft process. Um, I think he was my tight end two before the draft. Then obviously he fell a little bit later than I hoped in the draft and, and he ended up going behind the likes of Dolchich um, and Joanne Woods in my rankings. Now, what he has done when he's been on the field this year has been really impressive. And if he was in pretty much any other offense on any other team, I'd be sitting here saying he's he's a fantastic asset. He's going to be great. Um, you know, you, you can bank on him being a tight end one for the next four or five years. And I think he's a really good cornerstone piece to be building your franchise around. The problem is, is that Isaiah likely profiles as that kind of modern move tight end. He is a guy that is not going to line up in line 70, 80% of the time like a Gronk. He is going to line up in the slot. He is going to line up out wide. He's going to be used in, you know, as a movable offensive piece. That's fantastic. But that is what Mark Andrews is. And as good as Isaiah likely has been, he is not Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is the premier tight end in the league in that movable sense, along with Travis Kelsey. Okay. So I'm really struggling. I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days. What, what, what is Isaiah likely? Like, because I don't think he's going to see enough volume in this offense, unless the Ravens go and do something that no team has ever done. And yes, I, I know people will sit here and say, but the Patriots had two tight ends that produced and, and blah, blah, blah. The difference is, is that the Patriots had two tight ends that produced when Gronk was a traditional wide tight end that would line up in line and flex out wide. Aaron Hernandez was that move tight end. They were able to get them both on the field. Unfortunately, because Mark Andrews is a good blocker, but he is essentially a big wide receiver, the same as Isaiah Likely, the, the Ravens can't really get both of them on the field. Because the way they'd get both of them on the field is either, you know, you have one wide receiver in order to have a blocking tight end and a running back, or you end up basically running like a, you know, air raid style four wide receiver offense where you've got your two wide receivers and your two wide receiver type tight ends. So I, 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 I could completely have egg on my face here in a few months, but I don't think the Ravens are going to be in a situation where Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely are going to be getting 70, 80% snapshot rates. So are we saying that Isaiah Likely is just a tight end handcuff? Because I think he's really talented. I think he looks amazing. But are we, I, I, I don't think I can invest in a tight end that is basically reliant on one of the best at the position being injured in order for him to see the field at a high rate in order to produce. And yes, you know, he's going to have some blow up weeks. He's going to, you know, have a 40% snap share, but he might catch five passes and a touchdown and everybody will be like, yeah, I was there likely again. Great. Woo. But 
I would rather bank on someone that is seeing the field and seeing consistent targets from what I would class as a reliable position. I just don't know if we're ever going to get that from Isaiah Likely whilst Mark Andrews is in town. And, and, you know, we can talk about it, but the Ravens aren't moving on from Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is elite. He's going nowhere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what what do you think? Do you think that it's all a mirage and, or do you think that they could both hold value? No, I think I'm tending to agree with you here. As, as you said, they're, they're used similarly. So realistically, you're, you're asking for Mark Andrews to be, or not asking, but you're expecting likely to pick up Andrews' role when he's um, injured. So it's tough because you know my position on tight ends. And if the listener the listeners that don't know by now, um, it's late or, or early. It's never in the middle, which is around the RB or tight end four, five, six range to the tight end 15 ish range. I tend not to take tight ends there. But in this situation, I feel like Isaiah Lightly is a sell at this point because people are probably expecting him to be a bit of a, um, a bit more than what he is going to be, like you said. And it's weird, isn't it? Because in any other position, you're probably ex- holding, expecting him to be able to pick up some sort of role. Whereas here is the only place where you kind of think it's never actually going to happen. And it, he's just going to get the odd occasion here or there. So, yeah, I, I, it's weird to call him a seller as a rookie that hasn't really done much in the re- regular season. But I think if you can get two thirds for him, I'm probably doing something along those lines. Where do you fall on that? I think I need more than that. I think I need a. I think he holds enough value now that I'd need a second. Really think you can get a second? I really need a second. I'm talking Titan Premium. The 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 real the real. Okay, reason. yeah. Um, but I would yeah, take he... I would take Greg Godolchich over him. I would take Trey McBride over him. And I know that Trey McBride has literally done nothing, and that sounds like ridiculous. But yeah, I, I would take. Trey McBride because I think that Trey McBride is going to be a more bankable player. I just I just think that you know if it's best ball and you can enjoy those boom weeks that I think are going to come, but I just don't see a world where likely is is a consistent performer. You know, I'm just looking at his snaps here. He's he's had one game this year above 28 snaps on the field. It, it, he just he's had one this was the first game where he has lined up as an inline tight end more than six times like he is a big slot receiver and whilst mark andrews is fit you can't have two tight ends that are big slot receivers on the field at all times so yeah i'm i'm cautious i think if you can get a second i think you've got to snap it up i think if you can pivot from likely to you, you probably can't do it to Greg Dolchich now because I think his value is exploding. But if you could go and get Trey McBride or you know maybe a, somebody in a different position, um, that's certainly a move I'd be doing. So, Rich, let's move on to the significant news. And there is a lot because it is trade deadline week. Um, so we are recording about half an hour after the trade deadline um, passed. So we have all the news for you. So let's start off with... Um, 
one of the the big trades. So Chase Edmonds has been moved to uh, Denver. Now that wasn't the the headline for this trade, but it's the fantasy headline. Um, the deal included, um, or he, Chase Edmonds, more accurately, was included in a deal for Bradley Chubb, the um, edge rusher. But as Edmonds has now moved to Denver, Rich, you've got Latavius Murray, um, who has been seeing significant timeshare and um, production. You've also got Melvin Gordon, and then Mike Boone to a lesser extent as well. So where do you kind of see Chase Edmonds here? Because if he couldn't beat out Raheem Mostert, I still have a lot of scepticism around Chase Edmonds and his usage in Denver. I feel like we all have like player blind spots, so maybe mine is Chase Edmonds. I just love him a bit too much. <laughs> but I really like this with Chase Edmonds because I think he has a skill set that no other back, you know, and you listed Mike Boone and Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon has. And I think that, he is going to walk in and carve out a role immediately. I think there is a reason why they'd have asked him to be included in that trade. And I think he's also playing for a contract. I know that he's under contract for six million next year with the Broncos, but I can't see them paying him six million when they can cut him for nothing when they've got Javante. So he's playing for essentially to stay in the NFL. So yeah, I really like it for Chase Evans. Maybe that's just a case of me. I've got so many Chase Edmonds shares that I'm sort of convincing myself that it's a good move for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's going to carve out a role, probably take a week. You know, he might not get a role immediately yeah. this week, but I think over, you know, next week and beyond, it, sh- it should hopefully be back to being fantasy relevant. The issue is I'm not a huge fan of that entire offense right now, as I'm sure not many people are. Um, so, yeah, I, I just struggle to see what type of role he's going to get as well as being in an offense that is really underachieving. Um, of course, that might turn around with Russell Wilson, but I, yeah, I, I struggle to see what fantasy relevant role he's going to get. Um, let's move on to another probably big, well, arguably one of the biggest trades of uh, the trade deadline day. So Chase Claypool moved over to the Bears from the Steelers. They got a second round pick in return. So um, they got a return on investment, I believe it was, because or was he a third round pick um, off the top of my head? One of the yeah, two. Third round, I believe. So um, no, second, forty ninth overall. So they they did get return on investment as well as getting, um, of course pickings this year um in the second round but chase claypool moves over to the bears so immediately becomes a wide receiver one in the offense um with justin fields who is starting to get uh rich you can't laugh at that he is the wide receiver one in that offense uh, in tears right now that you're calling him the wide receiver one but yeah no i I, i'm not not disagreeing with you i just okay um but yeah, when when we look at Mooney, Rich, he's got twenty five receptions for three hundred and sixty four yards this this season. Um, yes, the the Bears haven't been throwing the ball much, but uh, Fields has started to gain that uh, confidence and start playing with a bit, um, or just playing better in general. So, how how do you see this shaking out for Claypool? Because oh, well, the Bears in general, Fields, Claypool, everyone else there, because. I still expect them to do something in the 2023 offseason to bring someone in. No, I said that last year, but obviously, or last offseason, but that didn't come true. 
um, it happened in season with Claypool. But I, I like this move. Um, it gives Fields and a deep ball threat that he he may trust more than Mooney. Sorry, Mooney, truth is. I think this is a fantastic move for the Bears. I think this is a fantastic move for the Steelers. I think this is a fantastic move for Claypool. But more importantly, I think this is a huge move for Justin Fields. We've talked a couple of times about the Bears basically tearing it all down and saying, we're going to start the rebuild in 2023. We're going to put nothing around Justin Fields. If he succeeds, great. If he fails, we're not tied to him. We can pick our own quarterback and move on from there. Justin Fields has succeeded. The last three or four games, if you want to talk from a fantasy perspective, he's been a QB1 each of those, I think, past four weeks. From an NFL perspective, they are now scheming up and there is enough flash from him that he is, you know, he's never going to be one of these passers that can sit in the, sit in the pocket and go from one to two to three full field reads. He is, but he is being so decisive. He's going one to two to run. And that's what you want from Justin Fields. I've been really impressed with him the last three weeks. And I think that this move to me is the Bears saying, right, Justin Fields is our franchise quarterback. We're going to build around Justin Fields now. So let's go out and get an extra weapon to help with his development and his progression. Whereas in the offseason, they were saying, we're probably going to move on from Justin Fields unless he shows us something that makes us convinced that he's going to be the, the franchise quarterback. They've now seen that. So for me, the same conversation as we had about Tua, you know, I'm now comfortable saying, I know that Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears for at least two, if not three more years. That's that's it. I'm I'm happy now. There's for me. There's 17 quarterbacks that I am happy and comfortable knowing are going to be the starting quarterback in two years' time. That's it. Justin Fields is one of them. Tua is one of them. It's basically my ranks down to Russell Wilson. So from a fantasy production standpoint. I think this is huge for Justin Fields. I think this elevates him into that QB1 talk in terms of Dynasty QB1s. He is in that tier with Tua for me. He is ahead of Matt Stafford. He is ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Shock, I know. He is ahead of Derek Carr. <laughs> he is ahead of Kirk Cousins. I think he is now one of those players that if I'm rebuilding, I'm looking to potentially go and ask the question because I think you can probably get him in that value where people were concerned about whether he was going to be the answer long term. Whereas I'm now sitting here saying I'm confident that Justin Fields is going to see out his rookie contract on the Bears as the starting quarterback. I think now the price has just gone up with Claypool. So you're paying with Superflex, what are you thinking of paying two firsts? A first I mean, plus I'll be a second, maybe? I, I normally sit here and I can quote specific prices and you know for me now we're in the point of the season where 
firsts have such different value you know i too late first is the equivalent to an early first so if we're talking 2024 picks i'd pay two firsts for him if we're talking 2023 picks i'd pay two late firsts for him i'd pay one early first one class and early like a top four pick i'd pay a mid first and a early second for him like i think that he is a he's he's a borderline player i'd say there's probably 12 players that i would rather have over the 101 this year i think that he is about the next tier so he's probably he's in that conversation yeah i think for me now a second round super flex star pick i think people that are listening to this and thinking are these guys that talking out their their asses i mean well what you need to remember is Justin Fields, since week five, so in the past three games, he is the quarterback too. And if you want to throw bye weeks around saying that that's going to change everything, just change it a little bit. He becomes the QB six in average points per game over the past three weeks. So, yeah, you're you're reducing it from QB two to QB six in production, but that's without any real weapons apart from David Montgomery in the run game and Khalil Herbert in the run game. I mean, we just mentioned Darnell Mooney a few uh, minutes ago, having under 400 yards through eight weeks. If that's one of his leading receivers, which is when Claypool and maybe even someone else in the offseason comes along, I, I truly think Fields is going to have such a high ceiling that no one is really ready to have that discussion about. So maybe it is instead of saying he's a buy high because of Claypool, maybe it's still somewhat of a buy low based on his potential. But that might so, be me being the Fields truther from his rookie season or from his pre draft uh, model being sucked in yet again. So to give you some some kind of wider context, I've I've just done a startup, um, mid season startup. In startup. We hate. Yeah, <laughs> I got bullied into it. Um, <laughs> so twelve team super flex tight end premium. Okay, quarterbacks fell like nothing I've ever seen before in a super flex draft. It was really weird. They were the first six picks, and then basically hardly any went after that. Justin Fields was went at the 501, which I'll be honest, I think is incredible value. Um, I'm just trying to load up. I think he was the bear with me, I'm just counting six. He was QB 15 at the 503. Sorry. I think that, that as I said, he is value. now a solid second round pick in terms of start value. So he's jumped in my eyes at least three rounds. And That's as I said, I'd value. take him over a lot of those guys in that that kind of aging tier. So, Rich, let's move on. Probably the biggest, uh, or it was the first trade, whether it's the biggest is up to anyone's opinion. Uh, TJ Hawkinson has been moved in division from the Lions to the Vikings, um, a package of picks. But what is interesting here is Irv Smith has been moved to IR. So he is out for about eight to 10 weeks based on a high ankle sprain. Um, But TJ Hawkinson moved from the Lions to 
the Vikings, which I love this move for the Vikings. Um, I mean, we both were not very high on Irv Smith in the offseason. And TJ Hawkinson, I think, in this offense is going to be better than what he was in the um, Lions in the Detroit offense. But I think this just means wheels up for Amon Ross and Brown. I think that Jamison Williams, it gives a bit of a nod to him for when he comes back that they um, trust him else they wouldn't be doing stuff like this. Or maybe it's a bit of a, not tanking situation, but trying to retool a little bit and saying that they don't need this tight end when they have a few more holes on their roster. So let's get a bunch of picks. Um, but yeah, on on this Vikings offense, I think uh, tight end such as Hawkinson is going to be such a valuable asset for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think he's a boom for that entire Vikings offense. I think he's probably a slight knock to someone like Adam Thielen, uh, just because I think we'll see a slight downgrade in terms of red zone usage. Look, Irv Smith was, was pointless and toast before this trade, and he certainly is now after it. Hopefully we can... Uh, put another one of these young gonna break out tight ends to bed and, and maybe we can <laughs> we can stop going up tight ends that have never done anything um the adam troutmans year. of the world exactly that yeah um for the lions you know it's i think it's a decent return they got a second round pick they got i think a, a conditional fourth that could be a third so look, it's a decent return um it feels like this Lions rebuild is just going to be forever. It feels like whenever you're trading away, you know, potentially good young, and yes, he's never lived up to his draft capital, but he is still a good young player. Um, it, it feels like, yeah, maybe maybe they're not targeting 2023, but maybe they're targeting 2024 or 2025 to begin this this kind of let's start winning phase of the uh, of the rebuild. Rich, um, one of your guys, Jeff Wilson, has been traded to San Francisco or from San Francisco um, to Miami. Obviously, San Francisco traded for Christian McCaffrey, so they felt that they could probably let go one of their running backs. And Wilson moves from a Shanahan scheme to a Shanahan scheme with Mike McDaniel in Miami. So, um, I mean, that was just for a 23 uh, fifth round pick, but that means that Mike McDaniel's um, offense, their running back room, is now Raheem Mostert, former 49er, and now Jeff Wilson, again, former 49er. So do you see that similarity? I I think that this becomes a 50-50 timeshare or something close to that opportunity-wise, or maybe like a 60-40 with basically Wilson being a bit of injury um, injury insurance, I suppose, for Raheem Mostert, who seems to never have a healthy season. Yeah, I think look, Jeff Wilson's back to being the best, or maybe not the best, but one of the best backups in fantasy football. You know, he's he's shown that he can do it. He's shown that he can do it in this offense. Raheem Mostert has got a huge record and, and history of injuries, and I think that if there was a Raheem Mostert injury, Jeff Wilson steps in and takes over the majority of that role. I think I I still think it's going to be probably a 60-65 most at leaning if if they're both both fit and healthy. Um but yeah, I I I really like the move for Jeff Wilson. It's it's certainly recouped a lot of his dynasty value because it felt after the CMC trade 
and with Mitchell coming back from injury, it was um, it was withering. Um, Rich and then Calvin Ridley has been traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Really confusing trade comp. Um, there's the worst it can be is a 23 sixth round pick. The best it can be is a 23 fifth round pick and then a 24 second round pick um, with about five or six different iterations of how that can be built up. It can have a 24th fourth or 24 third. It's crazy the type of comp- uh, compensation they got for him. Um, and it's all based around... Um, it's all unknown at this point because some of it's based around when he's going to get reinstated, some of it's around his time shows, some of it's around whether he gets a long-term deal. It's all an unknown, and it, it, I like the move for Jacksonville because it means that they get a guy on the outside that they um, have seen in the NFL win outside, which is what they're struggling with right now. Um, and Atlanta, they, they get him off the books and get appropriate compensation for whatever situation he ends up being, which I think is a, a great move for both teams. Um, obviously, Ridley is still serving a suspension that is currently indefinite, um, but he can um, appeal to be reinstated uh, in the off-season. I think it's in February after the, uh, after the Super Bowl. So Ridley could be on the Jacksonville Jaguars next season. He could also equally not play again. So... We, we don't know at this point. <laughs> I think it's a good move for all parties. I think it's sensible for the Falcons. I think it's a great, you know, go and get a guy at a reduced price because of the crazy situation. And that's why we're seeing all these crazy um, kind of caveats put onto the, the, the price that Jacksonville are having to pay. I think yeah. for me, Calvin Ridley, he, he has been a great rebuilder's buy. Um, I think he is still that. You might have to wait a couple of weeks just because I think this trade suddenly wakes people up and his price probably goes up a bit. I'd still probably pay a late second for him. I think if he gets reinstated and when he's kind of fit, healthy on the field with Trevor Lawrence, I think he's probably going to be worth at least a late first. I think his fit with Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is, look, people want to slate him and call him a bust and whatever because he doesn't have those sexy throws and those big bombs down the field, but he is already one of the four or five best intermediate throwers in the NFL. And that is where Calvin Ridley thrives. And Calvin Ridley is an elite route runner. They can get open in that 10 to 20 to 25 yards area of the field. And I think that he's going to be such a nice fit with Trevor Lawrence that I think as soon as we get rid of all this kind of stuff that's hanging over him, I think he's going to be a fantastic boy. And much like... You know, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins like, through the offseason being an incredible contending buy because the price was reduced for a six-game suspension. But he's going to be back for the rest of the season. He's going to be back for the playoffs. Calvin Ridley is underpriced because he's suspended. But as soon as he's back, you know, this is a guy that was being held up as a top 12 wide receiver as much as a year ago. Like, this guy is an elite talent. He's going to be paired with the quarterback that I think fits him perfectly. Yeah, I, I really like Alvin Ridley as long as we see him back on the field. Rich, and then we've got um, two players in the very last trade. This happened just before we went live. Uh, we were sorting out the show sheet, and then you mentioned Naeem Hines had been traded. 
Um, and then just after we started the show, the compensation came through and it shows Zach Moss has been also traded within this deal. So name Hines to the Colts and then uh, to the Bills, sorry. And then the um, Colts got Moss and I believe it was a conditional fifth or sixth round pick. So a, a later round pick anyway. Um, so I think this is just the Colts taking a shot at Zach Moss maybe being better than Dion Jackson. Um, and being able to fill out a, a backup role behind um, Jonathan Taylor. And then Naeem Hines, this is bad news for James Cook. Um, you said it immediately when when the uh, trade came through, and it, unfortunately I think it is. Um, and Devin Singletary will remain as some sort of role, but I think that is, again, slightly diminished a little bit. Yes, I feel like we've kind of thrown our whole show sheet out the window and are focusing on this, so I'll, I'll try and keep it quick. But I can't quite get my head around. The Bills use their running backs very little in the receiving game, and we see Josh Allen scramble rather than jet the ball down quite a lot. Yet the Bills seem determined to try and find a receiving back. They they had Devin Singletary, we've seen Zach Moss. They went out and signed J.D. McKissick in the offseason, who then reneged on the deal and went back to Washington. They've spent a second-round second pick, pick on James Cook. They've now gone out and traded for Naeem Hines. It's like they seem desperate to get a receiving back. Hopefully, we're going to actually see him use him, but I'm I'm not convinced. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't go getting too excited for the potential of Naeem Hines because... I'll believe it when I see it with this uh, Buffalo offense and, and the way they're going to utilize a, a running back in the passing game. I agree with you. I kind of understand the Bills thinking if this is their thinking that you can swing any one of these guys out um, in a swing route or in a in a flat or, or anything along those lines towards the the outside of the field and a linebacker most likely has to go over, which then opens up the field for Josh Allen to run through and if not and they're focusing on Josh Allen then you've got a wide open running back so I understand that thinking but at the same time they just don't use them in in the most optimal way um Rich we've spent so much time on the trade so let's whiz through the rest of the significant news um not many injuries this week so we had Chase um Jamar Chase um declared out before the game uh, this week with a hip injury and he's going to be out for I believe six to eight weeks so um, monitor that in a few weeks time but that is a huge loss for a lot of fantasy teams considering he was the wide receiver two going into the season um, in a tier with Justin Jefferson alone and you've got DK Metcalf plays through an injury um, we said that this injury wasn't very nice it was a patellar injury um, we said last week you're probably looking at Metcalf being out for a few weeks and somehow he ended up playing. And I don't know whether you saw this, Rich, but he had the play where he basically became an actor and sold it as a run play, went to block and run off a defender, and then all of a sudden broke into a corner route and um, scored a touchdown from it. So I thought, I don't know whether you saw that, but that was quite interesting for a guy that was meant to be injured. And there's no doubt he was injured, but yeah, it's the, definitely it's the best, an interesting play. It's the it's the best way to block when you know back when I played, I I was 
you know, didn't didn't like blocking. So I just if a corner came in press coverage on me, I'd just stand there, pretend to run a route, and then I didn't have to block him. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's next next level thinking. Um, and then Rashad Bateman, um, probably the only injury news based on those games where he was declared out with a foot injury during the game. Um, had one re- uh, one target, zero receptions, played uh, or laid up a dud for a lot of teams. Um, he's going to be out for a few weeks. And then also uh, Mark Andrews was declared out during that game. But the, the hope is that he is back this week. So I haven't really um, included him much on here. The biggest uh, names that we're expecting to trade but haven't, uh, guys like Kareem Hunt and Brandon Cooks, they still remain on their teams. That is the Browns and the Texans, respectively, for those two names. And... Um, Bye weeks this week, you've got six teams on a bye. So that's the Cleveland Browns. So guys like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, um, the current running back one or two, depending on your scoring. Um, then you've got the Dallas Cowboys, Denver Broncos, New York Giants, Pittsburgh Steelers, excluding Chase Claypool because he's no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. And the San Francisco 49ers, again, excluding Jeff Wilson because he's no longer a um 49er so um quite a hefty week and me and yourself rich have felt that i don't know whether you've noticed but um while i was picking the flex off player it was very very slim pickings because there were less or it was complete less depth across the board but before we get into that let's let's hop over to the dynasty stock market rich who have you got as a riser for this week yeah, I'm conscious, conscious of time, so we'll try and keep this quick. Um, Travis Etienne's the biggest riser. Um, you know, blew up in a in a big way, massive breakout game. I think maybe call the Jets slightly. I've seen some people calling him the overall dynasty RB one. Um, That's too rich for I'm, me right now. I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, he's my RB eight currently. Um, I think yeah. Look, it, if you've got him, fair play to you because. You know, I was here saying I was out on Travis Etienne because he couldn't <laughs> beat James Robinson out week one and week two coming off uh, that injury. But yeah, look, the the guys for real, I think he's a, a fantastic asset for the next two years to build a, a roster around. But I'm I'm certainly not overall dynasty RB1 uh, territory yet. That's too rich for me. I can understand running back five if you're or around that mark if you're rebuilding, but yeah, if you're contending, I can't have him anywhere around that mark. Rich, who have you got as your fallers based on this week's performance? Uh, so fallers, Elijah Moore. Um, what what the hell is going on? Um, I, I was expecting a, fan. I was expecting a squeaky wheel game. I thought they were going to, you know, he was coming back into the fold. I thought they were going to force feed him targets. And I thought that we were going to see a real bounce back um, from him this week. And he got one target and then he was asked over, after the game, what's what's going on? And he basically said, I don't know. I don't get the ball. End of kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, if you've got Elijah Moore, I guess you're having to hold him. But it doesn't feel particularly good right now, does it? No, not at all. And um, I'm at the point now where, as you said, you've just got to hold him. Um, but I have no idea what his upside is. He's not been traded. Um, I don't think he'll be traded. So, what? I, yeah, I'm 
very unsure on what their situation's going to be. You've also got Drake London on your Fallers Rich. Um, just wanted to take a look at this one because it's an interesting thought considering we had him as the riser in, in the early weeks of this season. Yeah, and I think, look, the, the guy's an elite receiver. I think he is an elite dynasty asset. But there's no hiding from the fact he was the wide receiver 56 this week. That's like three or four weeks where he hasn't really produced. Um, so I do wonder if people are starting to fall out of love with Drake London and thinking that he's not that elite asset. Look, if you've got Drake London, it's the same as if you've got Kyle Pitts, okay? They're not 2022 assets. They have been put in place by the Falcons for the next starting quarterback. That's going to be the person that they probably draft in this year's draft, okay? That is going to, who's going to use those assets. That's going to, when they're going to become elite fantasy studs. So yeah, if you can get in now and buy Drake London for like, you know, a mid first, maybe you can pivot off another player. You know, if you're rebuilding and you've got someone like Stefan Diggs or something like that on your roster, I'd still take Drake London straight up over Stephon Diggs. You know, maybe you can pivot from Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, something like that. Those are the type of players that, if you're rebuilding, I'd absolutely be doing, making that move to go and get a Drake London. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to note here is they're treating Mariota like a like a rookie quarterback almost, uh, not letting him throw a lot. So it's probably um, the right decision. Let's be honest. It it, it probably is, but it's. It's incredible looking at his stats. I mean, he had 28 attempts this week, um, completing 20 of them. But then previous weeks to that, he had less in the two weeks prior. So he had 13 and 14 um, attempts and then back up to 25 and then down to 19 and 20 again. So he's just not being allowed to throw since week two, essentially. There's a few spike games. And he's only ever been, oh, over this season, he's only been over 250 yards once, and that was last game where he threw three um, touchdowns and two interceptions. So I just don't think they trust him enough to throw. And I think when they get that rookie quarterback, I think that's going to be the the way through it. Um, Rich, so you've got the player of the week this week. Who have you got the God, going into it's going in. We, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, Mari Cooper, I think he's still criminally underrated. He's the wide receiver eight at the moment. Yes, he's going to have some dud weeks. Yes, he's going to have some boom weeks. It's the type of player he is. But, you know, we've seen seven targets, five receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown at the weekend. Yes, he threw an interception, which affected his numbers slightly. Um, but he's currently the wide receiver eight. He is getting a massive quarterback upgrade in a couple of weeks. And and you can probably get pay what wide receiver three prices to go and get him. I think if you've got two seconds burning a hole in your back pocket, I reckon that's probably enough to go and acquire Amari Cooper at the moment. I think someone who's just in kind of off-season value mode, I think he's he's still being undervalued what, what his production is right now, which is a, you know, a dynasty wide receiver one. I'm disagreeing with that based on the price. I think that he is criminally undervalued. Um, but I think at this point, people have realized that he's putting up points with Jacoby Brissett. 
going into a bye week and they know that Watson's coming out on the other side. So um, I understand Maybe. where you're coming from on that. But I, I yeah, I, I just think that at this point, the ship has sailed again for any type of second or multiple seconds. I think you've got to end up paying a late first, if not a little bit more. Um, I'd, I'd to, happily to I'd try happily and get pay it, a late but, first for him right now. Yeah, uh, that's what I was about to say. I'd still pay that, but I think that that ship has sailed on multiple seconds. Um, my player this week, Rich, is Tony Pollard. So Zeke was declared out before the game. Um, it was a semi-late um, outage. I mean, he didn't practice for a lot of the week, if not all of the week. So it was kind of expected to an extent, but he was declared out. Um, during the week, and then Tony Pollard had 14 attempts for 131 yards and three touchdowns, and then adding one catch for 16 yards um, through the air. So, what I wanted to ask you is, how do you uh, how do you value Tony right now, considering that Zeke is probably gone this season? Um, I, I think it it'd be very surprising to me if we kept or if the Cowboys kept Zeke around and didn't let Pollard have that um have that backfield or he gets a backfield elsewhere because he's a free agent I believe after this season yeah I think that's that's the big issue for me is that he is that free agent I think if you sat here and said to me the Cowboys re-signed Tony Pollard today then I think his value is you know worth probably a late first and he's up into that top 20 kind of running back value the problem is is that who knows where he's going to end up I think he is a smaller back I think that whilst he is producing and can show that he can be an elite fancy option on 10-15 rushing attempts a game I don't know if a team is going to go out and say he's our starting running back he's what we're going to kind of build our running game around I think people are still going to view him as a 1A 1B type back and I don't know if he's ever going to get that opportunity to be a true bell cow and so because there's that kind of unknown of where he goes hanging over him it's it's hard to value him too highly I think I wouldn't pay a late first for him, but I think in order to go and get him, that's what you've got to pay right now, particularly off this last week. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if you've got Tony Pollard and you can sell him for a late first, then, yeah, I'd absolutely be doing that. So, Rich, let's move over to the flex off for the new listeners. Um, it's a friendly competition where myself and Rich go head-to-head every week and pick a player flex considerations the way that we define that is um, using the fancy pros ecr to pick outside of the top 36 wide receivers top 24 running backs and the top 12 tight ends and because it's uh, it's flex not super flex there's no quarterbacks allowed us we just pick a quarterback every week um so rich last week you picked wondell robinson i picked donta foreman uh, for those of you that haven't looked at the scores or live under a rock, um, Dante Foreman nearly outscored Wandale by about 30 points. Sorry, Rich, I had to, I had to throw that out there. Um, so I did take the point 
for last week, which puts us at four in my favour, three in yours after your two-win streak. I just couldn't be in um, a deficit. I haven't been all season. We've either been even or I went in, so um, just couldn't allow you to to do that to me just yet. Um, but Rich, what I'm going to do is start with my player for this week. So I've chosen Antonio Gibson. He is currently the running back 26 um, on this week. And as I said earlier, with six teams on a bye, I was looking through the ranks and thought that it was extremely thin. Um, I don't know whether you thought the same, but I, I looked at wide receiver and immediately came off wide receiver because I didn't like any of them there. Um so, Rich, Antonio Gibson, he's scored a touchdown in the past two games. He's had over 15 fantasy points in the past two games. Brian Robinson is taking a lot of the running game um, usage. But as we use PPR scoring, I think that that's where um, Robinson, oh, Gibson is going to make a lot of his points. So how do you feel about that? And then take us through your player. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a solid pick. I think it's you know it, it it is what it is, isn't it? As you said, it's a pretty disgusting week trying to find deep deep buy. <laughs> um, I'm going with Kenyon Drake. I think like, it's, it's packs of the world. We we said that Kenyon Drake's pointless, but look, Jacob Dobbins out injured. Gus Edwards has done his hamstring, so yeah, he's got a decent matchup against the Saints. He's running back 26, uh, 27 in current ECR. So yeah, I think. He's a he's a plug and play of him too this week, so I'm hoping that that's enough to uh, to bring me to that level. Yeah, I, I like this. I like this pick, Rich. Um, so last segment we have for you, listeners, is the listener mailbag. So before we move on to that, Rich, Andy has said that he thinks a friendly competition should have a forfeit. So we are going to have to discuss that offline and see what that forfeit is going to be. I'm happy with the forfeit as long as I win. (laughs) Of course you would be. So um, we'll discuss that offline and see whether anything comes of it. But Rich, listener mailbag. Um, We've got a few questions, but there's one that um, is going to be very quick. So I'm just going to ask you that now. So Tarek has asked, who has been the biggest beneficiary of the trade deadline? Um, for me, I think it's just uh, Justin Fields, as we mentioned earlier. TJ Hawkinson could be um, a candidate for that as well. But yeah, I think Justin Fields takes that and runs with that award. Yeah, agreed 100%. Um, so the next question, Rich, is from Bob, one of your patrons. Um, so if you do want to sign up to Rich's Patreon, um, I believe it's pinned on your um, Twitter account at Dynasty Island. Did it I get is. that right? There we go. Um, so he's asked, what, or Bob has asked, sorry, what do you do with teams that started awfully but looked good on paper and now are looking awesome and scoring big, big, but because of that slow start, sitting at something like two and six, three and three and five, so, Rich, I'm going to hand that over to you because you sent this through to me on text and I don't really know what I'd do. And, <laughs> and so I, I kind of have that same mentality still. It really depends on the team for me. So I think there's there's one of two questions is that one, can you still mathematically make the playoffs? And 
two if if you can't. So if you can mathematically still make the playoffs, I think you've you've got to go for it. I think if the team's you know that good and and looking good and and scoring big, go for it because you know yes we talk about avoiding that horrible middle ground, but if your team's really good and just had a slow start and catches one or two breaks, you could go in as a fifth or sixth seed into the playoffs and still win the title. I think if you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, then I think what you probably need to do is is look at what we talked about a few times of that retooling rather than rebuilding. So start looking at, right, I'm competing in 2023. What parts of my roster are going to be there? So you sell off any asset that you think is going to be a declining asset between now and 2023, whether that be a potential free agent, whether that be someone towards the end of their career, that aging option, that kind of thing. What I would also consider doing in that scenario is you want to maintain as much roster value as possible. You want as many good players on your roster as possible, but you also want to kind of make your team slightly worse. So that picks a bit better. I think you have to be a little bit smart and you basically have to sell off everything but one position. Uh, Sorry. You need to sell off one One position position. to keep everything else. So if you look at your team and you say, right, I'm weakest at running back or I'm weakest at wide receiver, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell off all of the wide receivers that are going to give me some points and put those assets into quarterbacks or or something like that, rather than just going after picks, pivot and go and find a usable asset that is of similar value. You know, if you're weaker at wide receiver and you've only got two good wide receivers, can you go and sell those two good wide receivers to go and buy a QB3 or a QB4 so that then you're loaded at quarterback? You don't need to worry about quarterback in the offseason. And then you can spend all of your assets to go and find wide receivers in that one offseason. Therefore, you can rebuild and turn that roster around really quickly. I think if you are two and six and you're just going to go, right, I'm just going to sell old players for picks and I'm going to try and, you know, tank. I think everybody else in the league is doing that. I think you need to try and do something a bit different. And chances are, if your team's that good, you're probably not going to be able to tank because you're going to be winning most weeks. So... I think you need to try and think outside the box. Um, And that's where, you know, if you can sell off one position, it basically means you're going to be putting up zeros or close to zeros in those spots each week. right? And and that should help you tank, but still allow you to keep your studs across the other positions. I think picking up guys that are going to increase in value. I mean, we we speak about this all the time and you should be doing this regardless of what position you're, you're in. Um, anyone that you expect to pick up uh, value in the coming weeks or even in the off-season, um, unless you're contending and you're pu- pushing all the chips into the into the uh, table at that point, you should always be looking at players that can increase in value in the off-season. So guys like a Tony Pollard, maybe, um, maybe not after this week, but maybe in a few weeks if he has a few quiet games or like Khalil, um, Herbert. Khalil Herbert is another one that I know both of us like. Um, and you had a, a question, um, I believe it was on the show sheet and you took took it off, Rich, of um, whether he's now worth a first. But I, th- I think this is where my 
two separate running back rankings come into it where if you're a rebuilder, then yes, because you're, you wouldn't sell him for less than that going into the offseason where you expect his value to increase. If you're a contender, maybe not. You have to sell him at his current value to get a, a contending piece. And that's maybe where you start to look and see, okay, this contender has a guy that won't put up consistent points. Can you go and get him? And he's going to increase in value over the offseason. Um, guys like maybe a Michael Gallup um, going through the season might pick up a bit more um, a bit more value as he starts to score more points with Dak now in the lineup. Guys, guys in that range where you expect that value to increase either short term or in the off season. Um, I, I like that retooling piece. I think the biggest thing is potentially selling your running backs rather than your wide receivers right now. Um, converting your running backs into wide receivers. So if you've got a Christian McCaffrey or something along those lines, converting him into a wide receiver with the new crop of running backs coming in, you potentially can um, rebuild your running back room very quickly with those picks that you pick up or um, potentially already have with your early pick next year. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with that assessment, Rich. I'm glad you went first on this one. So, so listeners, that's all we have on the show sheet for you. A little longer episode because it was trade deadline. Um, you can find us on uh, at Five Yard Rush or at Five Yard Dynasty um, every Tuesday at eight o'clock. Um, that's the live stream. All the show does go on wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening to this as a live stream, um, on uh, it would be on the Wednesday following the live stream. So. Until next week, guys, stay safe, enjoy yourselves, and maybe try and get your head around some of these trades. See you later. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.